Uh, as I said, we, we love covering the Bible. We want the Bible and its truth to be central to our lives. And so uh, we get to cover in it because of its power and goodness. We get to cover in it amazing things that God has done. I mean, supernatural ways that God has worked among his people to accomplish his divine purposes in our lives. And so we have read and talked about stories. If you got to grow up in church, you'll uh, see and listen to and hear and read events like seas that are parting and uh, lion's dens and, and fiery furnaces that people are able to come through supernaturally. You get to read stories about young, courageous, fearless men who slay giants. You get to read stories about tiny armies that God amasses and overcomes these other massive armies with men who are candidly not that courageous but willing to do what God asked them to do. And you go on and on. We get the miracles and healings of the Son of God among us, moving, ruling, and reigning in all that he did. And you get to see the birth of the church through the supernatural work of God, signs and wonders alongside it. We see all of these things that are celebrated, they're loved and cherished and treasured, and I love all of it. I love enjoying those stories and seeing the beauty and the majesty and the splendor and the goodness and the greatness of God. And we want to keep talking about all those stories. We will. All those biblical events. But we're going to just take a few weeks to learn how to see and savor the majesty, the beauty, and the splendor of God in the mundane and in the disappointments of life. I think it's so incredibly important for us to learn what it means to be a people who follow God through the mundane and even the sad. That's what we're going to do. In Ruth, there's not going to be one story of an angelic visitation. There will be no fire coming out of heaven. It's just normal people longing to follow God, hurt by moments of pain and sorrow and trying to navigate those incredibly difficult circumstances. And we get into this historical account, we're gonna find these two women, two beautiful, brave, courageous, and really raw and authentic women. We're gonna reach out to God now, here's what we're going to find, that through the mundane and in the disappointments and all the harshness of life, our God is always, always, always working for our good. That's where we're going to go. And I think it's important because the temptation is to believe that God isn't always really working in those in-between spaces. Right? We love the big stories, but could we all just for a second acknowledge, right, that the vast majority of our lives, I'm just willing to say 98, 99% of our lives are just mostly 
mundane, walking through real life. I mean, we could all count on a couple of hands some of those really like transformative, incredible, like mind-blowing, will never forget this for the rest of my life kinds of moments. Thank God for those, right? But the rest of it, come on, the rest of it is normal, Laundry and jobs and yard work and breakfast and chores and schedules and meetings and lunch and play dates and errands and school projects and calendar. And that's the vast majority of our lives. The question is, what is God doing in those places? Is he working? How attuned are we to it? I want to be one who takes the opportunity to see the glory and the goodness of God in all the mundane, right? That's what we're being invited into as a normal story of someone who's walking through a little bit of hardship. And I'm glad. I'm glad for all the grandiose things, but I'm, I'm glad for the normative. The normative can be beautiful. And I know this because Every time you take a picture of your dinner and put it on Facebook, it's awesome. I'm stirred. I'm emotionally stirred. There's beauty here to be had, and that's what God wants to bring to us. He's going he's gonna to be working. So that's where our story actually begins is actually with some, some heartache, which we've all experienced. And so you have Naomi who has her husband, Elimelech. And all of a sudden, because uh, they're living in the time of the judges, and if you know anything about the history of Israel, what the time of the judges, a 400-year window in which the people of God say, God will follow you no matter what. And then four seconds later, they give their hearts away to other gods and other peoples. And so God, in his loving goodness, disciplines them gives them over to their enemies. They cry out for mercy. God, we're so sorry. We were foolish. And he delivers them through one of the judges. And they come back to him. They say, we'll follow you for forever. And four seconds later, the process starts all over again. Sometimes feels a little bit like real life. And so they've come and they're experiencing famine in the land. They've turned their heart from the Lord and it's not producing, and so they have to leave and go to a foreign place. And while they go to a foreign place, Naomi loses her husband, he dies, and her two sons marry women from another land, Moabites, meaning non-Jewish women. They take up, they live there 10 years. Neither of them are able to even have children during that time. Her, their husbands die, and now you got a, a Naomi with her daughters-in-law. Orpah and Ruth. It's pretty harsh. If you go, if you think about just the reality of the situation of famine, moving to a pagan land, death of your husband, marriage to non-Jewish wives, uh, death of her sons, blow after blow, tragedy after tragedy. And if you think for a moment what it would actually be like where if we actually experienced famine here, had to go to Canada, God help us, right, to, to go right to another place. I'm just kidding. I love Canadians. I'm, I'm with you. 
but had to go to another land, right, to try to find sustenance in some way, shape, or form. And, and in the process, you lost someone dear to you. You lost your spouse, lost your children. And you're like, can you imagine that? That would be difficult. That would be hard. And you'd be asking some questions like, where is God? Is he good? Can he be trusted? That's really, I think, what we get to step into. When you and I enter into painful moments, we get to ask the question, how much do you believe that in and through your pain, God is already aiming for your good? Can we believe that? And that's where we're going to get to see in a little bit in the successive weeks, and I'll just spoil the story for you, but they kind of come back home, and Ruth is going to be brought into a relationship by a kinsman redeemer, a family member of Naomi's family, brought into a relationship, and God does a powerful and restorative work. And we'll, we'll dig into it here in the coming weeks But the point is to be able to take this moment and dig and scrape and get into and find the excellencies of God through disappointment and hardship. It's really actually a book about trust. That's where the Lord is gonna, that's what he's gonna do is he's just gonna poke and prod us and ask this question. How much do you really trust the God Almighty? How much do you really truly trust him? And the Beauty of this story is that, spoiler alert, he is trustworthy, very trustworthy. And in fact, he's not just trustworthy, but the amazing way that we're going to learn that God is trustworthy is in the very last scripture where we get to read a genealogy, the most mundane of mundane things you could possibly read in the scripture is going to prove that God is always angling for and working for your good. So we get to find out, and I won't, we'll read the text later, but I'm gonna tell you, here's what's gonna happen is Naomi and Ruth, Ruth finds her husband, Boaz. They have a son together named Obed, and Obed ends up having a son named David, who becomes the lineage by which we get the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Naomi gets to be the great-grandmama of the line of the king. And I can guarantee you, Naomi wasn't thinking when she was, had to leave her land and go to a foreign place and lost her husband and lost her boys, I can guarantee you she wasn't thinking, this is going to work really well for me, and they're going to be telling my story 3,000 years from now. She was thinking, God, where are you? In fact, we're going to explore that a little bit next week. What do you do when you're sad? And it's really powerful to begin to see the unveiling of the goodness of God, even in the hardship, right? That's what we want to do. Listen, I want to be a church. I want us to be a church that believes God is going to do amazing things in our midst, that he's going to heal sick bodies, that cancer will die as we pray. I believe that. That's where we're going. 
I want to believe that God is going to heal relationships and see them restored and that children that are far from God are going to come back home and that God's spirit is going to come and do amazing works among us. We're going to keep praying and asking God to do that. We want God to do the fantastic, the supernatural, and the amazing. And we want to have faith for that and believe that with our whole hearts. But I also want to be a church that will trust God through the hardships, that will believe him when it feels like, are you there? That's the kind of faith I believe is necessary, critical in this hour to be built in us. We get to just dive in and enter into a real moment where God's going, I know that it seems hard, but I'm working for you. I have good for you. I see you, and I see for you what you cannot see for yourself. Will you trust me? That's the call. That's the invitation. There's a similar story in Genesis chapter, it begins in Genesis chapter 37. It goes all the way through 50. There's a young man named Joseph. And he is the son, the favored son of Jacob. He'd be the father of Israel. Or he is, he actually becomes Israel. And he's the father. The 12 tribes come from him. Joseph is one of his sons. And he is favored. And if you got to grow up in Sunday school, he got to put on an awesome colored coat. His father thought, he, man, you're awesome. I'm giving you the coat. And all the brothers are like, uh... Where's my colored coat? They hate him. They despise him and they're hurt and frustrated. And so they conspire to kill him, actually, which just intense family, just it. I think that's just through the rest of the Bible, just intense family. Can we just say that? All right. You're like, how, how are we reading all these things in the Bible? Just, it's intense family. So you get the colored coat, we're killing you, bro. All right, so. And so they decide, so one, one of the, sweet Reuben, one of the brothers is like, maybe we shouldn't kill him, but let's just sell him into slavery. Oh, that's good, good, better idea, better idea. We've really tamped it down. And so they ship him off and sell him uh, into slavery and God's just... He's just there with Joseph. He's just there with him. There's no fire coming down out of heaven. He ends up working as a slave in the, um, the, the, the chief of, of police, so to speak, the, the, the guard, the captain of the guard. He ends up in there. Uh, home, and so he's trying to take care of all of his business, and the, the Potiphar, who is the captain of the guard, his wife, uh, seeks to come on to him or to have him and uh, to have Joseph. And Joseph's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And she ends up uh, accusing him of sexually assaulting her, lying about it. He's thrown in prison. We don't know how long he's actually there. There's some ideas, but he's in prison. Not going well for him. He's frustrated and trying to navigate this moment uh, with his own heart and just continuing to be faithful. And here's what we get to see in the story is that God is there. 
He sees him and he's walking with him. And it's just, it's just easy to go, hey, my family sold me out. I've been lied about. I've been stepped on. I am in prison. This is not going well. Is this the reward for following this beautiful and great God? Is this what we get to look out for by following this creator of the universe? But Joseph kept his trust in the Lord. He kept his trust in the Lord. God opened a door, heaven opened. As God is faithful to do, Joseph has the opportunity to come up into Pharaoh's house and all of a sudden, through the favor of God, watching over Joseph as he's walking through some of the, I can't imagine some of the most painful things you could possibly experience in this life, wrongfully accused. and To be able to become the VP of Egypt, basically. And because he's the VP of Egypt, he gets to invite his family who are also, by the way, going through a famine and have no food whatsoever. He gets to bring them in and cover them and they discover, they don't even know and recognize him. It's an amazing story. They don't even recognize him and he's like trying to hold back tears and he finally reveals, I'm your brother and they've like, they're on their faces and they are saying, I'm sorry, which is appropriate. <laughs> they know they've done wrong. In Genesis chapter 50, one of the most profound and beautiful statements that you and I, could, you and I, that you and I can read and hear this and believe. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. As for you... Brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. This is an important question for the people of God. How do you see hardship? And what do you believe about God when we walk through it. Because I feel there is a tendency to believe that the enemy somehow has more power than God or that our mess-ups and failures somehow have more power than God or that our whining or our arrogance or some way could overcome the power and the beauty and the majesty of God and what God wants to say is, there is nothing that stands over me, and I am with you, and I will lead you all the way to the end. But will you trust me through it? That's where Naomi's at. That's where we found Joseph. And we get to ask the question, do you trust me? Your story, my story, our story matters because God's setting us up for glory, period. He's setting us up for glory. 
the hardships you've faced, the victories that you've experienced, the heartache that you have known, it is all setting you and I up for future glory. Do you trust him? No matter what. And if that is true, that God is working and angling and pushing for and leading us into good, then are you and I willing to chase him in the mundane? Chase him in the everydayness of life. He's working to redeem it. Will you trust him in it? In a couple of chapters, we're gonna find Ruth just doing her chores and God shows up in the chores. God's gonna show up in Ruth doing chores and redeem her and restore and bring to her life. Could I just say this? You and I have no idea what God is working for us right now that will impact your children and their children and their children and their children. That's the point of this story. You have no idea. The mundane prayer you might pray tomorrow morning means something forever in God. The little step of obedience and trusting matters for eternity. You have no idea what little decision of like, God, I'm gonna trust you, I don't understand, but I'm gonna follow you, is doing for an eternity. You don't know what it's accomplishing. I guarantee you Naomi had no idea. No idea. I guarantee you Ruth had no idea but God. But God. So we're all being beckoned through this story. Will you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you obey me? Will you walk with me? And will you hold on when things get hard? You think you're just going out there, if you will, in the fields to work. But God's working. And so let's attune our hearts to him and be ready for his instruction, even in the little things, because uh, what we get to find out is God's bringing you nearer to the Messiah. And that's what Naomi and Ruth are getting to experience. And that's what we're going to get to discover. How? We're going to look at how that actually happens in our lives in real ways, in practical ways, in meaningful ways. That's what we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. But for now, we just get to ask this question. Will I believe and trust God today in the little things? Will I give him my morning and laundry and errands and schedule and children and my outlook? Will I give them to him? Will I believe he is leading me and wanting to speak with me and share his heart with me in what you and I would call the nothings of life? Is our ear attuned and ready for it? Ready at a moment's notice to listen to him and trust him and walk with him. That's what this story is gonna help us see and discover. God shows up in chores and he shows up in relationships and he shows up in every place you and I might go. And so the question is, how do we navigate those moments? 
And I feel like there's just a couple of things we're going to pray, and then we'll actually just finish this morning by taking some time to pray it. Number one, God, here, pray this, God, increase my faith and trust in you today. It's a universally beautiful prayer that just for, just for clarity, you and I can't do. Let me say that again. This is a critical and important prayer. Increase my faith and trust in you. That is something that only God may grant to us. So let's ask him to do it. I want to trust him more. And I'm telling you, uh, temptation is always for me to try to like pull myself up by my bootstraps and work and be awesome and look awesome and sound awesome and maybe even do awesome. And God has plenty for us to, if you will, to do. But church, it first comes by this believing and trusting. That's the invitation. So God, increase my faith and trust in you. You do what only you can do. But then we're gonna pray this, and this is what we're gonna get, get to get into. God, would you send me a Ruth in my life that'll champion me in the hard times? Lord, will you send me a Ruth who will champion me in the day of testing. Meaning there are gonna be days where you and I will wrestle and struggle to trust him with our whole hearts. And when it comes to that day, you know what we need? Brothers and sisters who will come and say, I'm with you no matter what, dude. Do that. I'm with you. I can't, honestly, I can't think of, anything more meaningful in the scope of the life of the church than having that. I love gathering corporately. And I love singing and declaring and lifting hands and clapping. And I love opening the word of God here and declaring it, being able to do this with you. But candidly, if it isn't producing something where we've got roots who are going like, well, you can go, but I'm going with you. And I'm walking with you, and we're going to see and experience the goodness of God. If that isn't what the church is, I don't know what the church is really meant to be. The Lord is taking us somewhere with him, and every one of us are meant to be linking arms with each other to go there. So Lord, increase my faith and trust in you, and two, or would you bring around me now Roots, who will champion me in the day of trouble. Walk with me. You guys stand with me. We're going to close out. Lord, we just want to take one moment to just steady our hearts and minds. And to wash everything else away for a moment. And to open our hands to you. 
believe you believe. To believe that you are working for our good no matter what. Would you just ask him this now? Lord, would you build in me a deeper trust in you today than I've ever had before? Ask him that. Right now, build it in me. Trusting you regardless of my circumstances. Would you tell him that? Lord, you're trustworthy regardless of my circumstances. I'm telling you, I'm declaring it by faith. Now, Would you tell him your circumstances that have you worried? Where you feel sad or disappointed or anxious? Where it seems like the future is not totally settled? Would you just offer that to him right now as an act of worship and say, God, I, I, need, I wanna trust you in this. Here's what I'm giving to you right now. It doesn't seem settled to me, but it is settled to you and I trust you. Give it to him. And then Lord, Ask him this, will you send to me roots that will champion me in the day of darkness? Ask him. We're asking for friends and spiritual family that will speak life and truth that are willing to walk through the challenges and fires. Send them, Lord. Godly men, godly women, young and old. And would you thank him now for those that have played that for you? Just gratitude. Lord, thank you for those that you've given to me to walk with me. But send more, Lord. We thank you and send more. We love, God, this beautiful family of faith that you're building here. 
one that wants to see you do the supernatural, powerful works that you do, where you declare your goodness and we're changed. And Lord, I thank you that you're building in us a faith that will set our face on you no matter what. Beautiful, powerful, supernatural faith and trust in the mundane and in the hard, in the sad. We trust you and we thank you. And we look forward to seeing, oh God, as we unfold this story, the ways that you want to turn our hearts and shape us, and work in us, make us ready to persevere and push and receive all that you have for us. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, peace, peace. In the name of Jesus, our King and Savior, we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Blessings. We'll see you next week.